Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez, and in this segment, we are continuing through the eight limbs of yoga. And so it's been a while since I've posted one of these, and I'm really excited to continue through this series. And we're discussing Pratyahara. And Pratyahara is traditionally known as withdrawing from the senses. So when we are on our yogic path and taking steps towards samadhi or this perfect state of meditation and blissfulness, we must first settle our body, settle our mind, and then begin turning ourselves inward. And on this segment, I have the pleasure of introducing my longtime teacher, friend, and playmate, Selena Pang. And she actually has a much more creative and interesting perspective of this limb of yoga. And our conversation begins to merge into pratyahara and fear and love. So it's a long conversation on pratyahara, but then also our personal experiences in yoga and our personal experiences with love and fear. So it was so fun to talk with Selena as always, and I'm so excited to share her with you all. As I was mentioning, she was one of my first Ashtanga teachers and very, very influential person in my life. Over the years, she's evolved into one of my friends, and now we spend a lot of time outside rock climbing or going to the gym. And I ask her advice for everything. This is my personal go-to personal guru. So again, so, so grateful to share her with you all on this podcast. And so a little background on Selena. She is a yoga teacher here in Austin, Texas. She's a phenomenal Ashtanga yoga teacher, which is how I connected with her. She is also a rock climber and outdoor enthusiast. Selena essentially captures the essence of carpe diem, and she's a self-made woman, extremely hard worker, and a survivor. She's one of the most resilient people I know, but I'm going to allow her to tell her story and a little bit more about her. So again, I hope that you enjoy this segment. I hope that you learn more about Pratyahara and viewing it from a more creative lens and hearing more of our personal stories on love and fear. So again, I hope that you enjoy this segment. And we are continuing the segment on the eight limbs of yoga. Today, we are talking about the fifth limb of yoga, which is Pratyahara which is withdrawal of the senses and how this could maybe be applied to life or how it could be applied to your personal yoga practice. Um, and I'm just super interested to hear what Selena Payne has to say about this because <laughs> I've learned so much from you throughout the years. Oh my God. Oh, well, I, gosh, thank you so much. You're so sweet. I, I used to tell people like, while I'm going through my Ashtanga practice. There are so many postures where I like hear your voice or I remember something that you said. It's just like it, it permeates my practice. And I just really appreciate the impact you've had on my life. Oh, thank you. I love you too, Christine. <laughs> thank you, Selena. <laughs> um, and yeah, thank, thank you for having me here today. I'm just super honored. I, I feel like a oh, little old me, you know, I, I don't know if I have anything to share, but as I've said before, whatever is useful to anybody, you know, is not mine to keep. So I, I guess that's why I'm here. Not because, not because I'm an expert, but because um, if there's anything useful, please take. But 
um, you know, Pratyahara, like I, I think of that, I, I'm a keep it simple, sweetie girl, right? I don't, um, I'm not really a heady person. I don't connect with a lot of intellectual things. I connect more with uh, seeing, feeling, doing. And for me, what Pratyahara is, is uh, coming home to myself. That's how I think about it, right? When you think about the other uh, limbs of yoga, they're more kind of like rules. And then there's how to uh, deal with things outside, right? Your outside world. There, then there's how to deal with things within. And then there's how to begin to kind of connect and take energy from the outside and begin to harness it. Mm-hmm. Then there's, you know, the part about connecting with your physical body because we're embodied being, we just simply cannot exist if we ignore that part of it, you know? So we have this world that's um, ideally merged, but it's divided. It's the external world where there's a lot of static if you let it be. And then the internal world, which is where your compass should be all the time. And that's to me, Pratyahara is, to begin to disconnect from the external world to arrive, right? We have to go through all of the um, physical parts of it to begin to come in. But also, too, physical parts of it help us to come in because there's there's contrast. Um, so, tip, you know, very commonly, Pratyahara is... is um, interpret it as withdrawal of the senses or withdrawing the senses. And for me, I don't know that those words don't speak to me because I guess there you're withdrawing from the external senses to come in, but the world withdrawal doesn't make sense intuitively because for me, it's more about connecting to myself, right? And that's why when I think of Pratyahara, I think of coming home. You know, when I think about when I'm shaken, you know, when the outside world is um, hard or uh, I feel like I'm getting blown around by the wind, it's coming home. You know, it's not to disconnect from the outside world, but it's to still be with the outside world, but really connect with my inside world, with my internal home compass. So that's kind of the simplest way um, I can describe it, how I experience it. Um, I'm also not a wordsmith, so I'm not very good with the, with the words, but you know, that's the feeling within me. No, I mean, that's amazing. And it's so funny that you say you're not a wordsmith. Like I, that was amazing. That was beautiful. I agree. And I think that that way of framing it just makes it so much more digestible and easy for people to understand because we hear this idea of withdrawal from the systems and we're like, okay, I'm going to put earplugs in. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to sit in the dark and I'm going to sit there and see what's inside of myself. But in a more practical, applicable way, it's like, how can we stay steady despite the outside chaos? You know what I mean? And so it's like these senses, this input. And in modern day society, oh my God, we've got, you know, our phone, we've got our computer, we've got multiple people sometimes living at home or 
the media. So we're constantly bombarded with outside stimulus. And so, you know, maybe literally going from the senses in that way in terms of taking time to meditate silently can help come home as you're saying, or really um, tune into your own inner sense of stillness. But I would imagine that the, the bigger lesson and the most helpful lesson is being able to maintain connection to that steady space inside that coming home to yourself in the midst of the wind blowing or the chaos outside. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think the older I get and the more uh, challenges I've weathered, I feel like, um, right. Like happiness has taken such a different meaning because it's no longer about, um, um, gosh, I guess when I was young, happiness had to be more sexy and more external and more um, exciting and all of that, you know. But these days, to me, happiness means that I'm um, unshakable and Mm -hmm. I'm rooted and I'm sure of myself even when the times are tough. Um, And that is such an amazing feeling. You know, to know that maybe to feel like the world is against you or to have conflict or to have something really sad that you're going through and still be sure of yourself and still not lose yourself in in that. Right. And I think it's, um, you know, with with all that is happening right now, you know, and the whole right, like the George Floyd murder and all of those things it's you know as a mother um the first thing I think is wow someone has lost their child yeah I'm gonna start crying I'm gonna try not to cry um you know and it becomes really hard to be compassionate as a sensitive person you feel that and there's so many feelings out there I mean, I could expend all of my energy just feeling stuff all over and not being able to reserve any for myself and for my kid and for my self-care, right? To keep my household the steady, rooted place that it is so that uh, both my son and I can be productive people. And so this this, um, idea of Happiness being grounded in how you can keep yourself connected to your own compass becomes important because then it becomes pretty easy to be, um, right, to maybe happiness. It's contentment, but it's pretty happy and pretty easy to be content in whatever situation, even when things are hard. Um, and, uh, you know, one of my, my favorite uh, books is um, Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. So, oh, I've heard about that recently. I haven't read it, but I've heard amazing things. Okay. Talk about coming home. I mean, you know, there is a place where he talks about, um, right, like how some people, they hold on because they have some idea that, oh, by Christmas, you know, we're going to be released and this is all going to be, this nightmare is going to be over and Christmas comes around and it's not. 
they, they die because they lose hope, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole idea about coming home to sell, right? For me, that's Pratyahara, is that you continue to believe what you believe despite the external circumstances. And that means that even in really tough times, you can find joy, Mm. right? So, um, you know, there's things about, you know, while in camp, Frankel will try to find like these, I mean, it, it wasn't that he was even trying to find it. He would see these beautiful moments, even in the most harshest environment. Um, and I think to be able to do that, you know, you, you, you could be anywhere. You could be happy. You cannot be happy in the, in the kind of uh, normal sense of the world. And you're not going to get swayed. You know, your, your sense of, um, steadiness is the same. And for me, yeah, happiness is steadiness. Yeah. Steadiness and stability can bring a lot of happiness. <laughs> but I, I love what you were mentioning earlier as well in terms of really staying connected to yourself and your authenticity despite going through challenging times or experiencing grief or experiencing a loss. And there is this tendency sometimes for if something bad happens where we want to blame other people or get angry at other people, or we search for other people to make us happy or to make us feel less pain. But when we get really in tune with that, and I mean, coming home to the self, it could be, you know, Pradyahara. I love that we're making this connection because I feel that this is very much what it is. When we can maintain that, it's like the truth of what contentment or happiness is, which is digging deep and finding that sense of security, finding that sense of soothe, um, value, empowerment with inside of yourself without searching in the outside world. And then like going back to the blaming of their people, that just creates more suffering. But it's so tempting to do when we're angry. You know, like it's so, I mean, I do it still. I'm not perfect or sure. So like getting angry at other people, blaming at other people. Um, but then coming back to that, space inside that, you know, maybe of, of our contribute to the conflict or how we may have played into that situation. And then of course, there are always influences that we control, but then we would be referring to that in a different way of um, kind of turning it to look at, well, what can I control at this point? You right. know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think as long as you are looking outward to fill a hole that is in you, you're always going to be dependent, right? And, um, you know, that's not necessarily a terrible thing, but it's, it's you know, giving power away. Um, and so I think in this lifetime, my work has been, to, to learn that, you know, uh, how do I contribute and, um, love Mm -hmm. and help Mm -hmm. without giving my power away? Um, Mm -hmm. and how can I, uh, create a source from within where I'm never really gonna run out as long as I'm taking care of myself. 
I will never um, run out. I could be in the saddest part of the world or in the happiest of happiest part of my life or whatever. And it's all good, you know? Um, and I think, you know, as, as I've gotten older, the things that make, that bring me joy have be become very simple things, you know? And so, you know how you uh, usually, like a lot of times you hear stories about, you know, I've interviewed this person on my death, uh, on their deathbed. Yeah. And you hear about people saying, in the end, it's all about love. And I'm beginning to understand that. But, you know, I'm beginning to understand that uh, that love bit is, love and then it's love right it's like love within um because if you have that like none of this like none of this crazy racism thing would be happening if yeah. people loved themselves right if people were unshakable within them but because it's not that's why we're seeing what we're seeing it's like this external struggle to um assert power or to feel good about themselves. I don't, I don't even know what it's just, it's crazy talk, you know, yeah. but it's, it's all fed by fear. Yes. Right? Um, and I think when you have love, it's like the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system thing, right? If one is engaged, the other has no space. It cannot both be engaged at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I think that, Love and fear is the same thing. Yeah. If love is engaged, fear cannot be there, right? If fear is engaged, there is no presence of love. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing is, I think as kids, we, 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 we are born with love, right? We are born to love. And along the way, we learn fear. So then, you know, it becomes a thing about, you know, again, it becomes a thing about going home to what, what, what you really are at the, at the essence, very essence of it. Um, yeah, it's, 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 um, crazy how fear is so easily manipulable. I don't know if that's even a word. Manip manipulatable? <laughs> <laughs> That is not. Yeah. It's like very stable and steady and unconditional and spacious and expansive, you know? Yes. And it and feels good. Like when people experience love and acceptance and understanding, it's like a massive wave of relief. Oh, yeah. And, and people can get so tied up in fear again and anger. And like you were saying, hostility, this need for this illusion need for power. Like people think they have power, but they don't, you know? Right. Um, and so it's, it's just very, it's very sad that people are living in such a deep space of despair. Right. Yeah. Because it's not comfortable to feel that way. Right. Yeah. yeah. It isn't. And it's also, um, you know, not only is it not comfortable, but it's it's also contagious. As mm -hmm. as much as love is contagious, fear is very contagious, right? 
Um, and it's also opportunistic. It's kind of interesting. I was thinking, so this has, this is, this, I digress a little bit, but a while back, I was with my girlfriend and we were practicing, you know, out of state. We took our annual girls trip and we were practicing out of state. And as you know, you know, the Ashtanga practice happens what, you know, in, in this particular case, we did our pranayama practice first and then went into our practice. So practice started at six and our pranayama practice, we started at five. Okay. Right? Um, so we were essentially walking kind of uh, walking the streets to get to the shala at like 4.15-ish, right? And it was so interesting because around that time of the day, in this particular city, people were still partying at 4.15 in the morning. So there's a lot of like high or drunk people. And I remember this so distinctly because, you know, when I see people like that, I'm like, oh, good for you guys. You had a great night, you know, so they're flirting with me a little bit. Okay, I'll, you know, I'm probably your mother's age, but I'll flirt back and I'm glad you had a great time. And well, my, um, my friend that I was with would get really nervous. Oh, here comes drunk and high people from the other way. And you can see the shrinking. Yeah. As soon as you see the fear and the shrinking, the, 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 the drunk people sense it. And it's like an opportunistic thing. It fills that space. Yeah. That, that fear is shrunk. Um, and that was such a good lesson for me. I mean, it's, it's true with, with everything, right? Like when you create space, something comes in to fill it. So wow. then if you create space for, um, steadiness and, you know, I hate the word happiness cause it's, I, I just can't find a better word, but happiness, my version of happiness, which is like, you know, feeling, feeling, feeling connected to myself um, and right. Feeling connected to myself is pretty, pretty joyful. So yeah. I feel joyful. Um, I feel exuberant. Right. And when that fills the space, people are cool with it. You know, there is no, <laughs> there it, right. But at the same time, when you fill the space with that, they respond with that. So it's like, positive and fun and playful response yeah. and this all happened in the same moment right so it's not like because my friend and I were walking together so I could just see that and go wow uh, I have I have to share one more one more story uh, so it was another Ashtanga related story and this is way back when uh, Guruji was um, came stateside and was teaching um, with Sharat in San Francisco and uh, I was broke. So I decided to stay in a hostel in San Francisco's Tenderloin district. And, you know, unbeknownst to me, it's, you know, it's, I guess it's kind of a, a little bit of a dangerous place for a woman to be wandering around at, okay. you know, 4.30 in the morning. Cause I had to take a public bus to get to the place of practice. Okay. And so I thought, wow, this is really kind of interesting opportunity. I wasn't really feeling um, too worried 
But at the same time, I was like, I'm going to make a conscious effort every day that I walk out of my hostel, right? And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of people. And I would look at everybody in the eye and be like, hey, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning. How are you? By the end of, um, so I was in San Francisco practicing with Buddhaji for like a, a, a week. By the not even the end of the week, I would say like by day three, all of those people, number one, would kind of keep an eye out for me because they all kind of knew each other and they all knew who was maybe a little bit more kind of like pay attention. And, um, you know, they, they knew to expect me to walk by them at that time of the day. Uh, so I think they looked forward to our little interaction in the morning. You know, if I was a little bit late, they'd be like, girl, you're going to miss your bus. The bus is coming. Run, run, you know? And it became that kind of a thing where when you're not scared, yeah, the world can be a beautiful place. Now, of course you could take that totally to the other end of the degree and just be completely, um, wishfully thinking and ignorant. We don't, that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. What I'm talking about is feeling stable and powerful within. Yeah. And so we can meet people from a very good, true place, a solid place. Yeah. And give them a, a genuine hello and a good morning and good mojo. Yeah. And what you get back is good mojo back. Yeah. It's very rare. I mean, it's very rare that you try to give someone good mojo and they reject it. Exactly. I, I really can't think of any time um, it has been rejected. I really can't. But I, I wanted to say, though, I feel like that this is so important because what I'm hearing also is it's, of course, living from the space of staying connected, but it's living from a space of intention. It's like you're aware of what you're doing and how you're interacting with people. It's not like you're in, you know, in your head um, haphazardly just interacting with people. It sounds like you very intentionally were approaching people. You wanted to create this space of friendliness and connection. And that is, that's the thing, you know, like that is yoga, it's living intentionally. And it's, it's living from a space of trying to create um, connection and cohesion, right? Because yoga is union and that's what it's all about. And I think that this is so incredibly important now because we see so much division with people and their beliefs. And I was having this conversation with my partner the other day, and I feel like that this very much is in alignment with Pratyahara and um, withdrawing yourself from the senses, which is the media, fear, you know, these mixed messages. We have no idea what's real and what's not real right now, you know? Right. And I was telling him, like, we can't judge people because of what they're posting. We can't judge people because of how they may judge us for what we believe. We have to understand that at this point in time, it's super confusing. We're all receiving mixed messages and we actually have to be the most connected. It's like as yogis, we have to be the most connected to our inner stillness, most connected to the idea of trying to connect with those around us, creating a space of harmony and trying to just deflect those messages that we may disagree with or um, our beliefs where they may disagree with us. Like just not letting it be, not letting it seep into the connection. Right, yeah, not letting it divide, you know? It's not letting it become you versus me. Right. 
staying um, weedy. I want to know why, you know, it's staying curious, right? Um, it's staying open to the possibility. And it's also um, staying okay with the idea that people have different beliefs and you can still appreciate and love them. Right? Yes. Um, another thing that comes, comes to my mind is so, you know, I kind of recently been falling in love with, with the city of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yes. And so I've made uh, a lot of trips there and, you know, I um, meet more people here in Austin, Texas. We're in a bubble of people who more or less think alike, at least, right? The crowd that I run around in, we agree politically and we're a little bit sad about the current, well, I'm very sad about the current president and, you know, what he does and, right, when when I hear that someone supports our current president, mm-hmm. in my mind, I hope, I hope I don't do this with my physical being, but like I roll my eyes and go, oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> so I've had such a good lesson in this too. In my frequent trips to Chattanooga, I can't tell you how welcoming they have been, um, how... Right. Like what I've been doing is every time I go, I make I make I try to make three new connections, random connections. Right. So I either cold call people or I get introduced to people and I ask them about their lives in Chattanooga, what Tennessee needs, what I might be able to contribute, you know, just chat. You know, I invite them to dinner or or coffee. And I have to say, like. Not a single person has turned me down and said, who is this random woman from Austin, Texas, demanding my time? Not one. Everybody has been so generous with their time. You know, and the, when the thing about politics come up, I have to remember, I have to really remind myself, these are people that have been kind to me, someone they don't know, they love their children just as much as I love my child. They are doing their best just as I am doing their best. So we elected different presidents. Yeah. That is, that is a reality and it doesn't diminish my appreciation for them. Yeah. You know, and so that has been really good because I think, you know, generally speaking, right. You, you tend to, you tend to, be more connected with the people who share your own point of view. Right. And it also becomes the same, you know, gosh, the internet is so dangerous this way because we know that, you know, our feeds become customized to our beliefs, right? So that division becomes just wider and wider and more, um, Gosh, more mean. It just becomes um, easier to criticize people from this corner of the world to criticize someone who has a different, you know, when you go face to face, it's a whole different thing, right? Mm -hmm. When you know that someone has a kiddo and also doing their best to 
feed the kiddo and do what's best, you go, okay, we're different. <laughs> no, we're different. But it doesn't make us any less. Yeah. Um, so that's been my kind of, um, I remind myself, when I want to roll my eyes, check yourself, Selena. Like, remember, yeah. people are still doing their best. Absolutely. And it's like when we take that time and, and put in that effort, it's like we're leaving the same impression. You know, it's like when I talk to Trump's like people who may have different belief systems than me, they'll remember that really nice girl who was a liberal or, you know, yeah. it's, it's That's right. so you just don't ever want to discount the power of, you know, staying connected to love because the change might not be immediate, but it might be immense in the future. Absolutely. You well, know? Yeah. How but, many times have you had, as a yoga teacher, right? How many times have you had a student that um, may, may not have felt like they were benefiting and might have even been difficult or might have even been, um, right, like maybe disrupt, disruptive or <laughs> right? you had to put your foot down. You've had to say, hey, behave like that and you are not allowed this is a place of love and if you if you can't follow our group rule yeah not the only rule we have here yeah. right oh yeah there are other places you can go you know um yeah and yeah you, and you do something like that and eventually well you know i'm thinking of many times when people i've put my foot down and said, okay, no, 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 this, this is not okay here. Uh, they've left and they've come back many times, <laughs> you know, and you have to also be okay with people coming back. Right. Well, it, and it's helpful for them, like creating a boundary. It, it's helpful because it does help teach people the rules and the regulations, but it's, again, it's still rooted from a place of compassion. Like you were just saying, like, you tell them, no, you can't say things to this person about their down dog. Like I've had that happen in class before. A guy literally looks to the mat next to him and told the guy that his down dog sucked. I'm dead serious. And I was like, you can't, you've got to leave. Like you can't do that. If you're going to do that, you need to leave. Right. And the next class he showed up and I welcomed him in. I was willing to give him another shot. You know, and of course, there are always these places where we draw the line, but um, just being willing, being willing to give people second chances and being willing to work with them in their growth. Um, yeah, you know, my, my big thing is giving people the benefit of the doubt, you know. Yes. We all have bad days. We've all made bonehead mistakes ourselves, yes. you know, and someone has given us the benefit of the doubt. I've had many of those, uh, especially <laughs> in my youth. Um, thank goodness. Right. Cause I was, I was not an easy person to, to deal with. I don't think I was a bad child, but I was a curious child. <laughs> so tired of, you know, answering my whys, you know, my whys were not ever, um, they were never, uh, out of disrespect or to challenge, but it was like, I want to know why. You know, and, you know, I grew up in Japan where you're not, it's not okay to ask why. <laughs> um, 
And so, um, yeah, I, I just, I've had a few teachers who um, kind of took me under their wings. Gosh, thank God for them. Took me under their wings and gave me space to ask my whys, you yeah. know? And as soon as you can ask it, then it also becomes like not so pressing, you know, because you know, you have that space to ask. And so you don't, you know, that you don't have to get in people's face mm-hmm. and keep at it. But, you know, I also think that if I didn't get in people's face and keep at it, I also wouldn't be where I am today. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, everything Everything, you know, I, I, that, that cliche, everything happens for a reason, I think is less true, but I think it's like, whatever happens, you know, if you can learn from it, then it's a very valuable, like nothing is wasted. Right. And, you know, also too, as Ashtangis, we know more than probably anybody else that like failure is a part of life and you don't learn unless you fail a million times and you fall on your face a million times and eventually if you don't give up you figure out a way you know um and that's such a beautiful beautiful process absolutely i mean it's also this process of um being in fear and understanding fear not necessarily rejecting it you know but maybe even utilizing it in a way on your path of learning yeah like, friends as in like latch on to it yeah acknowledge it and go okay I'm scared let's yeah. do this thing damn I'm, I'm thinking about Kara Navasana and you were telling me I'll never forget I forget what exactly your verbalization was but it was telling me to go into the fear Yes. which is an arm bound, you're on your forearms and then you're lowering your legs onto the back of your forearms for those who don't know Karnavasana. And it can be really scary because you can come crashing down in a really powerful way. (laughs) You were telling me, embrace the fear, have no fear. Yeah. Because when you, I think when you embrace it, Uh then you, then that's when you begin to work with it. Okay, so the best example I have of this, yeah. I think if you've um, birthed the child, oh wow, like the easiest, easiest example I can think of. If you're fearful, the body is amazing. People are amazing. Humans are amazing. But if you're fear- fearful, then the body starts shutting down, right? So it starts creating a hormonal cascade where it slows down labor. So the more you are in fear, the slower your baby will come out, the harder it is for your baby and yourself. Yeah. Now, if you say, you know what? This is really scary. And no doubt it's very painful, but I'm just going to move into the pain. The baby comes out faster. Your hormones cascade much more efficiently. So your labor and delivery is, is, is really quite elegant, right? Because all these complex things have to happen chemically for that baby to come out um, and all these chemical things, uh, complex things also happen for you to be able to withstand the intensity. But to get there, you must move into the fear, you know? 
I mean, bringing it all back to the topic of Pradyahara, like that's Pradyahara. Yeah. That oh is. my God. That and, is. and I do just want to say though, because you've been practicing yoga. How long, how long have you been practicing? For like 25 years. For like 25 years. And so for the people listening, it's like these, these concepts and these ideas and these practices, it's like, it's, it's years of being aware. It's years of tuning in. It's, it's utilizing the eight limbs of yoga. And so starting with a yoga practice, you know, and starting to utilize, um, in Ashtanga yoga, there's the Tristana method mm-hmm. of your breath, your bandhas and your drishti, which is your gazing point. And so utilizing your breath to tune back into yourself, using your bandhas, your internal engagements, uh, using your gazing point, that's going to help bring you inward. And that can start you off on the trajectory of getting to this point of um, moving into fear, moving into discomfort, really being with the reality of your body, which is what Selena is what you're talking about right now with childbirth, which is like 10, like, I don't even know, a hundred steps away from a sun salutation. But it's starting with the practice of yoga and the and the practice of these philosophies and applying them to your life where those um, notions become a little bit easier to tune into. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? You know, it's, it's interesting. I think for a lot of people, right, a lot of people come to, well, there's many different ways of coming, coming to yoga. A lot of people like your, your favorite, your favorite teacher, your favorite professor, they're yogis, they're born yogis. Now, some of us come to yoga for whatever reason, like a a recovery from injury or back pain, they slowly get kind of steeped into the yogic philosophy. And it organically kind of becomes a part of it. I I think it's beautiful. You know, some of us come to yoga because we're in deep emotional or spiritual pain, and we come seeking for that type of healing. And we have it easy because in a way it's laid out. How to do it is laid out. Arrive and practice with intention. That's all it's asking you to do. It's not asking you to be good at it. It's not asking you to, um, um, right? Like, no, it's not asking you to know how to do it before you even arrive. It's just asking you to just arrive. Um, And, you know, arriving is pratyahara, right? You arrive and you commit, and that's all you have to give it. You don't have to give it any more than that, but you have to earnestly give it that. Yeah. Um, you know, the for me, the the process of, uh, you know, the opening chant, the mantra, right? The Ashtanga chant is arriving. It's, uh, it's so elegant for me because as soon as I start kind of, I I belt it out and I don't have a really pretty voice, but I have this deep chant that kind of vibrates my, my, (laughs) my cells. And as soon as my cells feel that I start cutting off from my world, you know, cutting off from my, let's say my busy, like single mom parenting life and my, you know, my money-making life and my, all these things, it just (laughs) bonk. I'm on my mat, you know? Um, And yeah, like it's, it's, this is where I say, you know, 
for me, the, the intellectual, everybody has different ways of connecting with stuff. For me, the, um, the practical side of learning how to do that on the mat has been infinitely more valuable than the, right? Like the Svadhyaya, the studies of the scriptures and, right? Of course, now that I, I, I experience it, when I read the scripture, I can go, oh man, that's just wise and beautiful and just well done. Yeah. For me to dive into that without having this experience first in my like physical body and my embodied form uh, would have made no sense. Right. So that's the kind of practitioner and yogi I am. I'm kind of a, a, a do yogi than a theoretical yogi, I guess, if there is such a thing. Yeah, well, I mean, in the Yoga Sutras, though, they're saying that this is the applied lessons. Like, you're yeah. supposed to be practicing, you know? Yeah. I, think it's, I think it's this combination of doing your physical practice and, of course, also studying the theory behind it. But then there are some people that just study their entire life and never practice. There are some people that practice their entire life and never study. And that's, I mean, yoga is yoga. You know, anything is good. But it's... Right. Life is yoga. Life is yoga. Life is yoga. And this is where I think, you know, we have to remember that the thing we do on the mat is really just so not important. It's, it's, <laughs> it's important only because it's maybe our uh, physical hygiene, which leads to our emotional and our spiritual hygiene. Yeah. That's the degree of importantness it is, right? And, and we, it's important because we've, learned to um stay with something that might be hard or stay with something that makes us cry and not judge it and learn to um uh offer the practice without a reward yeah right that's like uh so many um things that are beautiful in life it's beautiful because you're doing it for love and you're not doing it to get something back And, you know, if you practice with the expectation of getting your whatever postures back, it's just, that's just disappointment. (laughs) You know, I mean, you might be able to swing it for a while and you might, you know, the, the yoga gods might like, you know, give you a period of time when you're floating and levitating and doing amazing stuff. But if that is the purpose of your practice, then you're going to be disappointed because at some point you just, right? It's going to change. It's same with parenting. If you are raising your child with some sort of expectation of something, then that's kind of not a, uh, that's a hard place, both as a parent and being the child, you know? Yes. You give it what you got and you let them fly and they're going to do their own thing. Right. Um, Wow. You know, offer it, offer it up, but love the process. And I think that's that's just kind of the point of yoga, you know. Um, it sounds like that you're you're talking a lot about removing the ego as well. Is it's like we have this ego that wants to cling to things or perform a certain way with postures, or I mean, having expectations of a kid. It's like giving a little guy a job before they're born. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. By removing that, by removing our individual ego where 
first of all, creating space for us to find contentment in what is, and then also giving free the things around us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, but I also think that for me more than the ego part, it's, it's, uh, more of the connection part, the joy, more of connecting to the joy part. Yeah. And, you know, in our class, we kind of laugh a lot. Yes. We kind of, uh, we, we work hard, but <laughs> we work really hard, but there's a <laughs> joyful component to it. I think when you let go of the expectation, the, the work becomes joyful because it's, it's curious and it's exploratory and it's um, interesting. It stays interesting. You'd be doing the same thing every day for decades and it still stays interesting if you stay engaged with it you know I think that's the the bigger part for me is that you know because I'm a little bit of a I'm a disciplined person but I'm only disciplined because uh I found things to keep it interesting right so in a in a sense I'm a little bit um you know not hedonistic but if there isn't joy in things I couldn't keep up with it forever or for a long time yeah you know so for me finding the joy in things is key especially when they're hard (laughs) you know how do you get up and fall on your face every day for karandavasana like learning to lower in karandavasana took me seven years yeah um i'm still learning how to come back up you know, but again, it's, it's just like finding the joy in it and the fun yeah. and being in the moment and being with the reality of what is like, oh my God, like we're so blessed to have these bodies and move in these bodies and be with our health and our vitality. For me, that's always a blessing as yeah. well. I think and, I love what you say about that because it becomes about celebration, right? Yeah. Because one day we might not be able to. So, yeah, be joyful and celebrate while you can. Mm-hmm. And when you no longer can, be glad that you've had the time with it. And then we also see people who have always loved rock climbing. And then for, you know, there's some tragic accident where they lose fingers or they lose a limb or whatever. And they still find a way to hone back into that joy. Like that's, that's yoga. Yeah, that is, that is yoga. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. You know, and, and that's where, like, I know we were talking earlier about, you know, my recovering from shoulder surgery, there's just a whole bunch of stuff that I no longer can do, but oh boy, like I am so glad that I could do anything. And most of all, I am so glad that, uh, so one of my favorite, this is a little random, but one of my favorite things about the practice right is uh it's like listening to it's like my way of being close to the ocean every day right because the sound of the breathing is truly for me my sound of my the sound of my breath Mm -hmm. sounds like the waves at the beach so it's like my way of connecting to my my beach every day and it's uh my the feeling of my um breath when it moves well Mm -hmm is I don't even eat saltwater taffy, but I imagine it's like indulging in saltwater taffy, right? There's just like that, um, 
kind of like that softness and that stretchiness. And I guess it's expansiveness to the breath that um, I just fall in love with over and over. So regardless of what my body can do, <laughs> yeah, my saltwater taffy is amazing. <laughs> and for those that are listening with the practice of yoga and particularly Ashtanga yoga, we have this idea of Ujjayi breathing. And when you really practice it and you get it, it took me years. It took me years to properly get my Ujjayi breath. And once you get it, you know, it means victorious breath. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels, it feels that way. And it is, it's like this smooth, beautiful, satiating experience. Sometimes I'll be walking down the street and I'll start Ujjayi breathing. You know, it's something that's just so uh, fluid. It's it's like uh, listening to amazing singers, you know, when, when you hear them um, sing yeah. and their song fills the space, you know, um, it doesn't feel like sounds or hitting notes. It's like this feeling of filling a space. And I guess uh, that's what, you know, that that's what my yoga practice has become. That's kind of what, you know, brings me to my mat every day. Yeah. And you know? earlier, earlier you were mentioning when we create a space, it gets filled. So it's almost like you're creating that space for the yoga process to really integrate. Yeah. Yep. Well, I, you've been super generous with your time. I really appreciate you taking time to talk. I think that this was such an amazing conversation. And yeah. it's so good to see your beautiful face. <laughs> I feel the same way. And so you are in this building process, this contemplation process of creating lifestyle videos, and you have so much life experience, so many ideas, so many, like, I mean, you're the person I go to for everything. Literally, you're my go-to. And so you're, you're considering putting out these videos. And once you do, I will definitely put a link on my website, even if it's in the faraway future. Awesome. Yeah. It might take me a while cause I'm not, you know, techie. So I'm, I'm learning how to do this, but I think it'll be fun. And, you know, as, as, um, as my son starts begin, you know, beginning to fly the coop, I'm going to have a little bit more energy that I've reserved for him to share with others, you know, if it's useful, use it. If it's not, that's also okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, I will keep you posted. And then you have a Facebook and it's Selena. 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 So if yep. you can find you just Googling Selena Pang. Yep. That's right. Yep. Right. And, and I'm usually pretty good about um, responding or especially if, I get messaged, right? If it's like some random bot looking Facebook person, I might not respond. But if it's something like, oh, you know, I heard you on Christine's podcast, I will definitely respond. And also no creepy guys. No creepy messages. No creepy creepy people. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you so much, Selena. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a wonderful day. Of course, you too. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. (laughs) Bye. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening until the end of this segment. I hope that you learned something new about Pratyahara or the yogic path. If you enjoy Astrology Now content and you would like to have more in your week, I do have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash astrologynowpodcast, which I'll be sure to list in the show notes. And when signing up for Patreon, you get two segments a week, at least, one of which is the weekly horoscopes for all 12 zodiac signs, which is always a lot of fun. I recently created a tier, which is the tarot tier. And if you offer $20 a month, you'll receive the extra two segments from astrology now a week. So that would be four total. And in addition to that, you get one 20 minute tarot reading a month, which I think is really fun. So again, if you're interested in that, I'm linking that in the show notes. If you would like to schedule a tarot or astrology reading with me, you can go to my website, innerknowing.yoga to schedule yourself or email me at astrology now podcast. Again, my name is Christine Rodriguez. This is astrology now. Thank you so much.